Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Sean. And I'm John. All right, so we're starting our new sermon series, Testify. Can I get a witness? Can see my testimony. Yes. Yes. That, we played that, that last night at Wednesday night. Okay, so this is how I know that you're old. You're younger than me because where I immediately go is to an old DC talk. Can I get a witness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Old, old DC talk song. I know that song. Though. Jason Dennis is dressing up like Toby Mac from DC Talk in oh the nineties. Oh my 90s. gosh. For hype night, oh, so he's just dressing Toby like Mac. himself. Pretty much. I can't. I can't stand Toby. Mac. <laughs> like you, literally, he's literally just dressing Hot like. Tates. Why do you not like Toby Mac? I, I just well, like haters one, gonna hate yo. Yeah, well, like <laughs> it could be that. Look, also because like I hated listening to K Love and stuff, and he was always on the radio. Oh sure. Wow. I didn't oh, know that that judgment, song. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm sorry. My life be like. <laughs> when I was a kid, what? I was like, my life be like. Ooh, I don't know that song. You don't know that song? My life be like... Okay, so it was a really popular song when I was a kid, and it's a Christian song. It's by Toby Mac. We went so yeah. off the rails that. here. <laughs> I started I started by talking about, can I get a witness? And now we're singing Toby Mac songs. <laughs> it turns out, no, it's the you six can't. Degrees. It's the six degrees of Toby Mac. Six degrees of Toby Mac. <laughs> so we're starting our new series, Testify. And we're actually, we're talking about the power of witness and the power of story. And each week we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to have uh, different stories of people who, their stories about how God has impacted their life and the faith testimonies. But be, before we get into that, um, when you think about the power of story, what right. are the impact that the stories have on us? Like when you think of funny, and they can be funny stories, or but stories impact us, right? Like for me, I'll, how I know when it's a good commercial mm. is if by the time that commercial is done, if I, if not only if I remember it, but like, yes. okay, I'm, I'm going to be real here. Every once in a while, like a Hallmark commercial, commercial will make me cry a little bit. And I suck because I don't like tears. So I, <laughs> I suck that tear back up. <laughs> but like, that's like, that's just the, the, some stories you can do very quickly. But when you think about the power of story, what comes to mind for you guys? I think that I can't help but go to a more like almost clinical or like psychological idea of stories like that's how we understand the world around us the stories we tell ourselves the stories that marketing tells us like you're talking about commercials that's a story that they're telling you to sell something you know the stories that we have on social media is a different story than what you go home and have with your husband or your family you know it's the stories we tell ourselves but it's also how we understand the world around us you know we're talking in your message you talked about how the ancient people told each other stories but like for millennia have human beings been using stories to tell their history? Yeah. You know, when you think of like the Incan culture where they used to have tie knots mm. in um, like these sacred uh, waistcoats, like a, almost like skirts, they would tie knots and that's how they, they would keep accounting and that's how they keep the history of their people is through knots. That's how they tell stories. Like that's wild. So would you call them naughty stories? Ew! <laughs> I wish we had a jar where you could put like a dollar in every time you said something. So like, like okay, so here's here's an example of that. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, uh-huh. right. Uh, he, is, is it Mercedes Benz? Is it Mercedes Benz that he does? Uh, 
or es- Escalade. No, um, he does. So he does the commercial, yeah, right? Hard, and he hard always commercials. Yeah, and he does the commercials, and like the story they're telling is that if you have this, if you have you drive this car, life is easier. Like you get to be Matthew McConaughey. For, yeah, that's for a, the story they're telling. That's the story they're selling yeah. you, right? Or Nike. If you, I remember yeah. Air Jordans. The story of Air Jordans was Don't if you yourself. buy these shoes, yeah. you can be like Mike. You can be like Mike, right? You yep. can you can dunk. You know that phrase where it's like, if you don't know what something is selling, then you're the product. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that wild? That's like so... Facebook, like you're the product. Yeah, that was what was on that, that social network. Yeah, order. remember yeah. that? So when you, okay, so that, I, I love that because that's, here's the thing. We were created for stories. That's yeah. kind of how we relate to the world. What are some of the stories that you feel like have impacted you? And they don't have to be personal stories. They can be stories from culture. Here we go. All right, John's on D and D. John's go. creative writing degree is kicking That's in. That's right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm. I mean, I'm big on stories because I love reading science fiction fantasy stories, mostly just because, most because they're just fascinating to think about, and they have fun, fun extra things that you know don't exist in our world or. Don't exist yet. You could even say they're fantastical, yes. Um, and But the thing that I, I always have to check myself a little bit is that no matter how fun a story is in terms of like, oh, wow, there's this cool magical ring that turns you invisible and is, you know, we have to go and destroy it. Or That's the Lord a, of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yes, thank you. Okay, yeah. Or there's this <laughs> mystical ancient force that gives us energy and power and I can do cool flips and move things with my mind. Star Wars. Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Hate it. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Like all that, all that fun stuff that, that, uh, those cool powers and all that is, it boils down to, I connect a lot with the characters in those stories and what they're going through and what they're doing. And, how they and overcome their struggles. How they overcome their struggles or succumb to them in some cases, some of the stories, yeah. yeah. And it's, it, yeah, it, it, it helps me to reflect on what it means to be human and what it means to be. And you kind of talked yeah. about that last week when we were talking about wisdom and knowledge, the knowledge of being able to learn from your own experiences and wisdom mm-hmm. is learning from the other people's experience. Yeah. Stories give us a chance to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think of that um, Goodwill Hunting scene where... Um, Good movie. Yeah, excellent movie where Robin Williams is a psychologist or a therapist that is um, doing therapy with Matt Damon, who plays a, a character mm. in this movie that is a genius. One of my favorite movies of all time. One of the best movies of all time. It really is excellent movie. And this genius kid is raised in the foster care system, has never left, you know, his neighborhood pretty much of Boston. And he's read all of these books and he's quoting things about, you know, the Sistine Chapel and Robin Williams stops and is like, yeah, you can, you can tell me all about it. Every, every little detail, every little fact, but can you tell me what it smells like? Yeah. Can, can you tell me what it feels like? And, and, and that idea of that stories that we read about put us in a situation you might never get to do. I hope I don't have to go through the horrible things that you read about. You know, you think of like Harry Potter, like his parents were dead and mm-hmm. he had this like crazy older man that was trying to kill him and he was just a child. Like yep. this is crazy. Yep. I don't have to go through that, but can I learn experiences? Yeah. It's, it's not the same as doing it yourself. 
thankfully. Well, and that's what a good, when you actually connect to a good story, yeah. you have the potential to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes a good story can help you define your own story where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm living that story. Now I have words for that. Yeah. And so like, for instance, I was just reading and um, it said that there are only seven basic plot lines. Yes. And yep. here they are. Check this out. I might actually, I might, well, and I think you could subplot yeah. those, right? You have Overcoming the Monster, Rags to Riches, The Quest, Voyage and Return, Rebirth, Comedy, Tragedy. Yeah. And I think they're missing one, which is Creation. Yeah, Savior. Mm. Yeah, Savior, Creation, right? But they're saying that there's only a certain amount. And it's interesting because when you think about the story, because we are created for stories, the Bible itself is a story. Yeah. And it's filled. It's got comedy, tragedy. It's got Overcoming Monsters. It's all those things. And then you can get in their superhero stories, which I think are subplots and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Right. But... When we look at the the Bible, we were talking about Moon Knight. Yeah, we're talking about Moon Knight, which right now is really on big Disney on Disney Plus. Disney Plus. We just did a shout out for Disney Plus. Oh, like they need the help. <laughs> well, they might right now. Oh, well, <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, but Moon Knight is is based on a character in the Marvel universe, which is a whole different conversation. Marvel versus DC. Some of you out there could care less, but I'm telling you, it's a real thing. <laughs> and but. He's based on a character who is taken over by an Egyptian god as an avatar. Mm-hmm. And we'll watch it and go, oh my gosh, this is fun entertainment. But in the ancient world, That's they, they believed in these ancient gods. And when the Bible comes on the scene, one of the things that makes the story of the Bible so different from the ancient world is they believed in all kinds of different gods. And Ra was the sun god and Ra created life and named life. And and he was literally the sun. The sun was Ra. And it, earlier in time. most ancient cultures worshipped some kind of sun form. Yeah, well, yeah, because it makes sense. I mean, you think about that what was the, their life giver. the sun gives light. Uh, the sun provides energy, heat, warmth. I mean, all those things. Yeah. And here you have the God of the Bible. And this is how Genesis starts off. Genesis starts in off with beginning. a different story. And and that's the whole point of it. It is a different story. It's It's meant to make us think and see God differently than the gods of the ancient world. Mm. And it starts off where in the ancient world, I mean, and I won't go through all of them because some of them get pretty gross, but how creation came about, every every civilization had a creation story. And all of them were usually rooted in one or multiple gods fighting some form of violence, some form of bloodshed, uh, or some form of sexual activity, and life was created. And yet here we have the God of the Hebrews, who's one God, not many, who simply says, let there be light. And there's light. And that light is the sun, which means the sun is not God. The sun is something God created. And here you have in the ancient world, Genesis, actually the entire Old Testament, is sharing a different story for a people. Now, we were talking about this. The problem becomes is when some people want to use Genesis as a science book. Yes. They'll pick it up like they would a science textbook or a a history book today. Yeah. And you're ignoring the context in which it was written by ancient people in an ancient world. Yeah. And and so when you look at it, like, so for instance, when you think about the Genesis story, what does the Genesis story tell you? What what comes to mind when you think of Genesis 1, 1, chapter 1 and 2? I think of God's breath, you know, his ruach. His ruach. I'm I'm trying to say it correctly. Real guttural. Glottal. Glottal stop. Um, Anyway, sorry, we just got weird. (laughs) But I think of God's breath, you know, his spirit over the waters, his breath 
that literally breathes life, his words that are made, um, that have power. You were saying that, that God's words have power, that it's not some act of uh, a God doing something, anything other than just existing and breathing life into something, that, that God is the breath of life, the breath of creation, and he breathes that over everything and then gives us through our nostrils that breath in our lungs, yeah. you know, and this setting us up for there would be nothing without God's spirit, God's breath with us. Yeah. That he decided to create us out of that, that he had already, he can't be created. You know, it says all of that and it shows the character of God and how he so loved us enough to create us he's out the, of himself. Yeah, he's the uncaused cause. He's yeah. always existed. He was there in the beginning. He was not created in the beginning. Yeah. He was there in he the beginning. He was and is and is to come. Yeah. How about you? What else comes to mind when you think of Genesis, when, when the story of creation what comes to mind? Mm. Yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, uh, no, excuse me. Wow. I'm so sorry. Unbelievable. Good thing it's your wife, man. I know, <laughs> so I sorry. know. Yeah, we just have this back and forth dynamic, glaring at each other from across the table. <laughs> um, no, I. Now it's awkward. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I know, I always, it's always interesting to think, because I, I can fall into that trap, too, sometimes of being like, all right, so then so then this happened, and then, okay, yes, obviously, then you would need to create the land, so then that happened next. Logistically, how are these pieces oh, like falling process. into Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it, it doesn't necessarily fall into that pattern. You Especially know, because Genesis chapter 1 and 2 contradict each other in yeah, the order of that's creation. That's right, yeah. Different things happening, and it's, it, it, it is that... <laughs> almost the the first story you know the the original story of of getting the world getting the world going getting the world started and and god choosing the thing that blows my mind is that it's like god was already there existing by himself and was content with that could have been content with that you know what i mean it's like he chose to didn't have to make anything didn't have to make well yeah time is just a construct anyway so he had to he had to create time like he was without outside of all of that i know you're blowing my mind man look at my hands (laughs) look at my (laughs) (laughs) well i mean so if you look at genesis like one of the things for me that i love about the story of genesis in chapters one and two but even three the fall of man is that's great that we have all this stuff but why and one of the things that, so uh, in the ancient world, the way they understood, it's called ancient cosmology, the way they understood the world is if something didn't have a purpose and a function, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So if you saw something and if you couldn't explain what it was there for, it wasn't a thing. Everything had a purpose. It's called ontology. So everything has a, a purpose to it. Even a rock has a purpose. And it doesn't mean the rock is for you to sit on. That rock is purpose is so that you can stand on it. It makes background, Right. And here we have in Genesis, and God shows the ultimate purpose is not creation itself, but it's humanity. Mm. We are the image bearers, and our purpose, as we talked about this last week, what's our what's our purpose? Yeah. Our purpose is to steward this creation. Yeah. So if for no other reason creation exists so that we might steward it, which is a crazy yeah. thought. That we would have something to do, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> he, he created so that we'd have meaning and so that yeah. we could find meaning. And therefore, everything has the potential for purpose. I'm looking around right now on our, on our table, and we've got these microphones attached to stands. These all came because someone created. Yeah. 
Someone took raw elements and they had a vision, told a story for themselves and said, hey, you know, I, I think about microphones, right? These are not handheld microphones. So guess what? I don't have to hold it. At one point, somebody told a story. Oh, man, I'm tired of having to hold a microphone. I should make something. <laughs> I should create something that makes it so you don't have to hold the microphone. That's a story. Yeah. And and now when you look at the stories that come in, I mean, so much of the purpose of stories is because what happens when you fall into a bad story? Mm-hmm. And And I think this is where the danger is. And this is, I think, part of what the Bible is about is showing that when you're not, when you haven't fallen into God's story, you actually have fallen into a fallen story. Yeah. If you're not believing God's truth or God's story that He provides for us, whether it be literally like literal history books, but it doesn't have to be like that. It's still God's story that He's given to you. You're gonna, if you're not believing that, you're gonna believe a story. And I think the argument you can make is that all idols, all false gods, are about trying to teach you a story to to give you a story outside of God's story. Mm. So for instance, um, Chanel number five, <laughs> Chanel number five, what's it selling? It's it's selling that if you smell like this, you'll be attractive and you'll be beautiful and people will desire you. Therefore yeah. the story it's selling is you're not desirable without this. Well, right. did you see the documentary? I think it's on Netflix and it's talking about Hollister and no. Aeropostale and it's like the rise and fall. Abercrombie of an and Fitch and all those. Yeah, yeah. like, and it was talking about they very intentionally were like they took the storyboards that they put, they call them storyboards when you're doing like planning and marketing and prepping. They took these storyboards and they put a Jeep up there and a sedan up there. And they said, which one's cool? Which one's Hollister? They said the Jeep. And they went through and they picked this like brand, this story to sell of mm. like what could and could not work. Yeah. It's crazy. Like that's that's all it is. It's stories we tell each other. So now let me let's let's take it a step further then. What are the stories that we tell ourselves maybe that we inherited? Mm. We inherited from parents. Sometimes you're not living your story, you're living your parents' story. Yeah. Or maybe it's a teacher. What's the what are the stories that we can believe? And we don't need to get super personal on it, but I mean, what are some of the stories that are, are that lead us into a place instead of defining ourselves by God's story? Yeah. We define ourselves by somebody else's story. I remember having a conversation with someone early on in my faith where it was like, I don't understand how God could be a good God or a loving God if there's such thing as generational sin. Mm. Why would I be held accountable to my great grandfather's sins? That's not fair. That's not yeah. loving. And now we're seeing as a, like culture outside of the church too is shifting into recognizing generational trauma yeah. that while you are in your mother's womb, like if for a female, so say uh, the body uh, keeps the score. The body the keeps book, yeah. the score is an excellent one, but what, while you're in your mother's womb, the trauma that you go through actually affects your womb because that's cr- when you are created and formed as a woman, all of your uh, reproductive organs are also created. You know, and so it's they, these things. I don't think our culture really understands in America this idea of generational. Um, what things get passed down. You know, we're very short-lived. We don't have our uh, extended family members live with us in America. That's very unusual. Like, unfortunately, we have a history with slavery where a lot of our, you know, African brothers and sisters that came over lost their culture. They have no idea about where they, they have to do DNA tests to find out where their generational things came from. Well, and I think even not just in that, that's America as a whole. America like, as a whole, our whole like, culture is like If that. you go to Germany, most Germans are like, yeah, my family's lived here for 700 years, right? right? And we, we, so, we so desperately try to connect to that. And we say like, oh, we're Italian-American. And they're like, 
You've no, never been to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> you are not Italian American, but we're trying. We're so desperately trying to hold on to that heritage and that generation because that does affect us. Well, so okay, we look at the Bible, and, and part of the Bible is about telling us a different story. And I think part of that, going back to what you're talking about, our heritage, yeah, is in Christ we're given a new heritage. Amen. And I think that's one of the struggles that's going on in culture, and it's been going on for probably longer than I can remember. But we see this in the book in Galatians. Where you know you're either Jew or Gentile. Never heard of it. The book, yeah, we did a whole series on it. Came. <laughs> you're either Jew or Gentile. You're either slave or free, right? And I think part of what the the gospel message of the new story is that now you know now you're in Christ. Yes. You're the you're neither Jew nor Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, yeah. male nor female. And now it feels like our culture is so desperately trying to find a story to identify with yes. gender, sexuality, race, heritage, heritage. And it's not that we were supposed to lose those things, but when they define you, now all of a sudden you're no longer defined by Christ, you're yes. defined by something else. And, yeah. and it's so, a story, whatever story you're believing now about yourself. That's right. And, and some of those stories, like we can move into... Um, the wrong story. There's a quote, and I don't know who it's by. Ian Morgan Cron from Typology says this all the all the time, and he quotes it from somebody else, which is, "If you don't like if you don't like your story, find a new one. You don't have to live in your story, but you do have to make a choice. That if you want a different story, then you need to find one. Well, I think the Bible gives us a better story. I think the gospel gives us a better story. Um, when you think about the story we tell ourselves, I'll, I'll one of mine, and I'd love to hear your guys's. So one of the stories that I've told myself for years, and I, I, I don't know if I've shared it on Sunday or not because I'm not sure I wanted to, but when I first entered into ministry, I was very anti-education. Mm. And I would always say things like, you don't need an education to be a good pastor. You know, that's a man-made construct. The disciples didn't have bachelor's degree or master's divinity. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. God, you don't need to do that. And those are, I truly believe that. I truly believe you do not need an education to be a great pastor. But I do know this. One of my pastors said, Jason, if you don't get an education, your ability to do ministry is going to be hindered. And I still remember the quote, uh, a, a degree may never open a door, but it will never close a door. Hmm. And then I finally went to school and I went to Northwestern University or University Northwestern Bible College in St. Paul. And I realized after taking my first class, I was terrified. Hmm. General, general ed class. I was terrified. What if I got an F? And all of a sudden I realized all that blustering, all of that saying I didn't need an education wasn't because I actually cared about, it wasn't about that. It was that I was afraid I just wouldn't measure up. Yeah. And isn't that what we do? Like we try and hide ourselves from a story and that's where pride comes in or arrogance yeah. or insecurity. Yeah. And mine was I was trying to prove how much I don't need an education when in reality what it really was, I was afraid what if I wasn't smart enough? And yeah. I think our perception and our perspective of how we take in information forms that story we tell ourselves. Yeah. I remember my parents when I was a kid, and this my love, my parents are great people. This is not a negative story about them at all. When I was a kid, I was kind of a wild child. What? Yep, yeah, I still Just am. As a kid. I mean, I was <laughs> I was kind of my mom used to say things like, There's no consequence too great for you. 
um, that's why we didn't discipline you because it didn't matter what the consequence was. You would still <laughs> do it. <laughs> Don't and tell my kids that. My my grandfather literally nicknamed me Calamity Kate, which is still my gamer handle. Uh, just so everyone knows, if you see a Calamity Kate out there on online, it's it's me. Uh, so now, this Calamity, and I grew up telling myself a story that there was no consequence too great for me, that I was just inherently naughty, that something mm. was wrong. I had a little boy last night at Z Kids. I had to pull him aside and give him a talk, and I said, hey, were you supposed to be wrestling around on the floor? And he said, no. And I said, what do you think you need to say to Miss Kate? And he goes, sorry, I was naughty. And I said, no, you're not naughty. I don't believe in naughty kids. And I said, you say you're sorry for not listening, but you're a good boy. And he goes, okay, I'm a good boy. Sorry for not listening. And I ran off. Hmm. Because that story I told myself that I was a calamity, that I was a force to be reckoned with on this world, and it didn't matter what I did. I was going to mess it up. Yeah. And my parents didn't say that to me. You to inherited me. that story I, somehow. Yes, and it was a story I told myself because of my perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times where even just listening now, or you don't you don't realize necessarily the stories you're telling yourself or the lies you're telling yourself until you go and confront it. Like Jason, you were saying that I was like, oh, you probably didn't realize that. Oh gosh, I'm terrified to actually go and do this because I I don't know if I'm gonna succeed. It was it was more of like no no no. I really believe that I don't need an education because the disciples didn't. Why don't it, it, it's it's funny how you can like justify it to the point where you're like, I don't even see the real core of it. It's like yeah. wrapped in layers of... Well, that's what we all do. I mean, yeah. that's that's our self-protection mode. Yep. Amen. Well, and so one of the stories that I I still struggle with, and this is where the Enneagram is very helpful. The, yeah. the Enneagram yeah. really does speak to some of our core stories, right? Yeah. And I didn't realize this until about three years ago. My entire life, I believed that no one cared about my needs but me. Mm-hmm. And that at the end of the day, you were always going to take care of yourself first. So the thing I needed to do was to take care of me. I needed to meet my own needs because you don't care enough. Okay. And of course, of course, people affirm that because people are selfish by nature. But also, I'm not the center of the universe. Like they're not. I'm not right. on the. People, people aren't going out of their way to be like, all right, Jason, are you taken yeah. care of? Are you taking? And yeah. it's not that they Healthy don't. It's not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that they don't care. It's that no, they're they're, they're they've individuated. They're not. Yeah. They're not connected to right. me. Right. But I remember I, I would see it and I never could fully explain this desire inside of me, this, this part of me, that story. I didn't have words. Yeah. And I remember the first time I heard it through the lens of the Enneagram, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. That's, that's my story. That's my story. And I remember telling Lisa and I'm like, babe, sometimes I feel like you just, I know you love me. I just don't feel like you care. I don't really care about my needs. And that's why I try and meet my own needs. It's also why I never ask you for anything. Mm. And the look on her face and she's like, and this is what she said. She goes, but you're Superman. Because I, in our 20 years of marriage at this point, 17 years of marriage, I never expressed a need. Mm. I just didn't do it because I didn't trust that she cared enough. And then when I started doing it, it kind of freaked her out because I was trying to get out of my story. Yeah. Because now I had created an image of myself to my wife. Nobody else thought I was sure. Superman. Trust me. Nobody else thought. And even to Superman. yourself. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And that story impacted so much. And I think part of what, uh, when we begin to see that stories matter, now all of a sudden when we read the Gospels, we're seeing that the Gospels are stories of Jesus, God become flesh. And that those stories have a purpose. And the miracles that we see, I mean, I wish I've seen somebody come back from the dead. I've never seen it. 
I've never seen a blind person healed. I've never seen lepers secured. I have seen miracles. I've seen a miracle in my, I, I'm pretty sure I broke my, my ankle at one point. And I remember praying with my, my friend Tim and literally as we're praying, I'm watching the swelling on my ankle go down and mm. I walked back to the basketball court. And I mean, it was bad. Yeah. I've seen those type of things. I've never seen the extreme miracles of the things that we see in scripture, but why are those things there? Those are testimonies. Those are witnesses of stories. And the problem is, and I'm just going to play skeptic here or maybe cynic for some people. There are a lot of people who immediately want to dismiss the stories of the Bible as not factual because we don't see them every day. Mm. Or I would, I, a friend of mine from years ago who's now a psychologist, and he's like, Jason, I can explain almost every, every story. Uh, I can explain physiologically of the miracles apart from Jesus watching, walking on the water and calming the storm, but the things of demon possession. Uh, people who are dead coming to life. He's like, I can explain those through science. And I'm like, okay, but you have to go out of your way to make the explanation. Mm. But what if the point of the stories are not to be scientific? And I still believe they happened. They're meant to convey. They're meant to tell us something about Jesus, about God. And we were really talking about that when we were talking about Genesis too, where it was like, if you're, if you're trying to take this so literally and you're picking apart almost apologetic style, where you're picking apart every little detail, you're missing the point. Yeah. Well, and and that's, you can, I think the, when you get to the gospels, if you all of a sudden get rid of the miracles of Jesus, which there's a whole branch within theology where they just dismiss all miracles because miracles are not, they're supernatural and they only believe in natural. Hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, Jesus loses his authority. And and I think that there's a difference there. Signs and wonders. The signs and wonders, and we still see those. But is the goal for us to chase signs and wonders or to get to know God? Amen. And if we chase signs and wonders, some people are like, well, you'll, you'll find God if you chase signs and wonders. No. You'll find signs and wonders if you chase God. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. And then some of those, it's the small moments, which is why we're doing the testimonies. But... I want you to think about for a moment, and, and let's get into this before we waste all of not waste all the time. I'll tell you this is going to waste, but before our time is gone. The primary goal of witnessing is to share stories. And it's not to convince people to come to faith. If I think if we use witnessing as a, we call it, have you gone out and witnessed? And usually what that means is, have you gone out and argued with people about Jesus? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> under the guise of evangelism. Under the guise of evangelism. And yet, I, I'm not saying it never works, because I know people that have come to Christ through that style of witnessing. But the witnessing we see in the, in the Bible, from the book of Acts, from the Gospels, is not that kind of witnessing. It's more of, here's the story, do with it what you want. Yeah. You, I, uh, here's the story. Here's The story is Jesus healed a blind man. The story is Jesus healed a guy down by the pool of Bethesda. The story is this, and it's meant to convey something that Jesus is different than the other stories. What if our witnessing, what if our testimonies, our testifying was not so much trying to convince people of the reality of God, but showing how the reality of God in our life has changed us and letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does? I love, um, I I use this example all the time, but in the the show The Chosen, excellent show, Mm. Um, there's a part where Mary Magdalene is confronted by Nicodemus and Nicodemus had gone with the other Pharisees and religious leaders to try to heal her. They couldn't. They said only an act of God could heal her and who happens upon her, but God himself in the form of Jesus on earth and Jesus heals her. And so Nicodemus confronts her and says, how were you healed? What happened? Who was this man? And she says, one of my favorite lines in the whole show is, 
I don't know what to tell you. I was one way before. Yeah. And I'm a completely different way. And all that stands in between is him. Her story, her test, her witnessing was yeah. just being healed. And she was like, I don't know how. It doesn't really matter. The literal didn't really matter. She wasn't, she wasn't like, well, Nicodemus, do you subscribe to these three theological points? Because <laughs> that's what Jesus would, do, you know. Right. It, you, it, it wasn't self-indulgent. It was just like very matter of fact of I, I'm completely different yeah. because of Jesus. And you can't Amen. argue that story. You can't. Well, and this goes back. Okay, so even the language of witness is trial language, right? Mm. And we, in modern terms, we have two things. We have evidence and we have witness. The evidence is really neutral. The evidence, the evidence can't by, tell you if somebody's by itself. It's, by an, object. Itself. it's yeah. an object, right? It's, it's the glove in the back of the brown girl. Yeah, yeah well, even, jeez Louise. <laughs> even, even if, okay, let's say video evidence. First of all, they didn't have video evidence back then. Okay? Right. right. But let's say, let's say we had video evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Actually saw it. Do you think people would believe? No. I don't think so. I'm, I know they wouldn't because there were people who actually encountered Jesus who still didn't believe. Yes. Because immediately you can dismiss and say, well, that, that must be CGI. Yeah. Had to be something else. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions. And we see that with Thomas. No, there's no questions are good. But we can't assume that yes. evidence yes. is what's... So there's a book it's by Josh proof. McDowell that says, evidence demands a verdict. And my problem with that book is I have non-Christians that have read through it and they're like, I still don't believe. Because it's for them. What? I gave you all the evidence. I gave you all the evidence. But what when you couple evidence with testimony, with story, it yeah. still doesn't mean they're going to believe because the goal isn't trying to convince them to believe. Yes. The goal is the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work of salvation. Yeah. Now it's what if the story, what if the Holy Spirit works through your story? And yes. so I'm, I'm like, John, so for instance, Kate, you and I both have come to Jesus stories. Yeah. Yours was in your 20s. Mine was in my early teens. Yeah. Sean, you came to Jesus. How old were you when you came to Christ? Um, 15. 15, okay. Sure. So, John, you were raised in the church. Yep. Raised by a godly family. Love your family. Your mom and dad, your grandpa. They sing these really cool Lutheran prayers at Christmas time. Like you are, like you, but <laughs> yeah. you were raised in that. And here's one of the lies that I'll hear. And I, my wife has said this to me. I didn't really have a cool story. Oh, yeah. I, when, I have, mm -hmm. when I have people who are raised I, in the church. I've like, thought that before. Yeah, and they're like, I just don't have a cool testimony. Yep. So now here's the question. What's your testimony? Like growing up in a saving, again, we don't have a whole lot of time, but what, if you could give a very quick, what's the testimony where you here's can point to God's story. goodness? Yes. Right, yes. Where you can point to God's goodness, even though you were raised in the church, yeah. you didn't do sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You mm -hmm. didn't, you didn't have all those that things you in your life that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do remember getting, I don't want to say maybe bored isn't the right word, but like, it became a routine for me to just go to church and do the things. And for me, I didn't connect with the church necessarily. It was just like, oh, yeah, I mean, we go to church on Sundays and Easter and Christmas and we've got some youth group stuff. But it, it was never really real for me or I just it was in the background. You know, this was just something that we do. And so I did have that moment, a couple of those moments when I was, um, when I was confirmed, uh, and we were really diving into deep of like, what are these verses that we're talking about? So like find a verse that you, you know, kind of a theme verse or a life verse or something like that, you know, like that. You... My love verse is Genesis to Revelation. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> 
we narrowed it down a little bit. Um, but and so I, so I was reading these a bit more deeply and thinking about what it means. And I, I do remember having a moment with me and the friends that I were doing confirmation with going like, oh, yeah, this this seems this feels more important than I'm treating it. You know, yeah. this feels a bit more serious than just another thing or just a background thing. And then I've, I've had, I've told the experience before on the podcast of when I worked at camp or when I worked at camp, um, when I was a, a counselor in training and seeing the, the Christ hike, yeah. I, I'd seen it dozens of times before yeah. as a kid, but now it just hit me like, this is real. But, and here's, I, I think this is the part that's so critical in this. Mm. Some people think a good testimony has to have all this kind of drama because that's right. what Right, I that's have what, to have failed or I have to Yeah, have I had to have some up. form of major... Obvious transformation. And, right. and what if what if the beauty of your testimony is, no, I was raised in a godly home and the thing Amen. that impacted me was not that I had to go through all these hardships. My family protected me from those. Mm-hmm. That's I, the prayer that I pray for children. Isn't that the funniest? Like our, our prayer for people that had to come to faith later are the ones yep. who are like, I hope my kids are bored. I hope yeah. that my, yeah. you know yeah. what though? Like yeah. the idea, when we were talking about generational sin, the idea of that you get, and we hear it in the song, the blessing and the benediction for a thousand generations, yeah. my choice to choose Jesus and walk in obedience to act, um, in love, act in love and walk humbly and love, ju- love justice. When I do that, that it blesses my children's children's children to have boring testimonies. <laughs> Praise God. Well, and, and they're yeah. still going to make mistakes, but uh, yes. again, because what we do is we highlight and we think the testimony and, and of, of course this is not the, the next three Sundays are not necessarily the best indicators because we're using dramatic stories because those are impactful. Yeah, sure. But I think there is beauty. And sometimes the testimony is, Man, God blessed you with a favored life. Amen. And you still yeah. had to have that moment where you needed the Christ well, type. I, I was going to say, like, nothing, ch- you wouldn't have looked at me before and after the that particular Christ hike and been like, oh, yeah, he's totally changed. It wasn't apparent to most people, I would say. But, like, to me, it was wildly different. I knew, like, this had to have been Jesus. Like yeah. I, I take this seriously now because of what Jesus has Faith done came on the to cross. Life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, but you, but you can't always tell. I think for me, it probably is exas- um, exaggerated. You, you probably can't, uh, probably ever can't tell. tell what you're thinking. That's everybody. exactly right. <laughs> so, so it's okay. This is have nothing to do with this, but when you said Christ hike, when I was in high school, my best friend and I tried to start a Christian rap group called Christ hype. Yeah. Okay, I can't laugh too hard because I have a a, a preteen event called Hype Night. So. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. No, but Christ hype, and it was we were That's gonna rap. We had, we had a rap song that we were gonna do that had nothing. That's what I'm talking All right, about. All right. So I'm when, glad that failed. It, it absolutely, <laughs> utterly failed. It, it was an epic failure of monumental. Noah, because I wouldn't be in my calling today had it not. Right. Yeah. I could I could be Toby Mac. We'd be talking about <laughs> Christ hype and DC talk. <laughs> I'd be J Mac. What what? Yeah. So. Here's, here's the point in all this is that when we talk about testimony and the power of testifying, our stories matter. Yeah. And God wants to use our stories, not because of how impressive our stories are, but how impressive our God is. And God Amen. meets us in all these different places. And when a non-Christian hears these, ultimately, what my, what I think this is what I think the Holy Spirit desires. And I've got to be careful because I don't want to speak for God. But I think it's followed up in Scripture. I think the reason why we share stories 
is not to convince people of Jesus and the resurrection, but to show them how the resurrection has impacted us. Yes. And they can, they have a choice what to do with that. And then hopefully that opens up questions because it's the Holy Spirit who works in them. Yeah. And I think the, the hard part is, is that too many of us, we actually don't know how to share our story because what we think evangelism is, yeah. is I have to have all the theological answers. I need yes. to have a finely put together script of, um, and I remember this, we were taught the Romans road. Okay. The Romans road is through the book of mm-hmm. Romans. It's actually it's a not bit aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also not, I would argue it's not a, a great way to talk about salvation, but we did the bracelets where you had the different color bracelets and we had to go around and say, you know, once I was dead in my sin and then there was this and everything I had, I had to have a perfectly formed script. Sure. Yeah. And and the hard part is, is that nobody's life is perfectly a perfectly formed script. That's right. Including the Bible. The Bible is not, a, I mean, yes, it's Holy Spirit inspired, but it's, but it's filled with imperfect. No, it's imperfect. It's filled with imperfect people. Yeah. And now what happens when our stories begin to show people, you may not be in the right story. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's when the question gets away, awoken in somebody is what if all of a sudden they realize, oh my gosh, my marriage is falling apart. I must be living in the wrong story. And then they come to you and say, how did you, how did you get that story? Mm-hmm. Now all yeah. of a sudden you're finding that's the testimony. The evidence is your life. Yeah. The story is what brings meaning to it. What's that worship song um, says that the power of testimony is the power of prophecy. If he did it before, he can do it oh, again. Yeah. Uh, do it Done. again. Oh. No, I think Done. it's... Um, I'm sure it's elevation or it's maverick. Do it again, and then uh, Adante Bo also says he's a champion. There's only oh. there's only four people that are doing worship right now. It's either Maverick City, Bethel, or <laughs> yeah, honestly. But anyway, I love that idea of like your testimony when you share it with someone. You have no idea how they're going to connect with that story. Like we were talking about, when you you know it's a good story when you can say, oh, I I relate to this, or I empathize with this, or I can see myself in this. Um, and it gives me answers or it gives me words that I never had before. Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe I, I'm in the wrong story. If he yeah. did it for you, could he do it for me? And and that's, I think that is the gospel. The, the yeah. power of the gospel that is salvation is that Jesus ultimately came to point us to a new story, to God's story, that our story got broken by sin and shame, excuse me, that our story was corrupted. That's the fall. That even as a church, sometimes as a church, we live in the wrong story. We think the story mm-hmm. is to be Lutheran. Right. <laughs> we think the story is to be Baptist or non-denominational or put together. I just, oh, man, I probably the, the best comment that I've heard recently is somebody said, Jason, yeah, when I come to Zion, I feel like I can breathe. And yeah. I was like, oh, yes. You know, that's yeah. the thing when you say, if part of the gospel is like people come as you are, don't stay there, but come as you are. You're get. We just said it today. You're gonna get people as they are. And that's messy. <laughs> and it's messy. They're needy. They're broken. There. There's a lot of things going on in their life, and it's like, oh, that's a lot to commit to. You're kind of a bit much. And it's like, yeah, but the gospel sets me free. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's there is a challenge that comes with testifying. And what we're testifying is the work that Jesus has done. But here's the thing. That means we had to have work done on us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part I forget. <laughs> sometimes, I I for- like. <laughs> sometimes I forget that I'm still a work in progress. And there was a point in time when people were like, that Jason guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. Yeah. And, and yet when you read the disciples, like, I wonder how many times like Peter or James and John would say something stupid. And Jesus would be like, 
in a couple of years, you're really going to think back and go, I can't believe I said can't that. I can't believe I said that. Yeah. All right. But it didn't disqualify them from, you know, ministry or their calling or their place in the 12. You know, it was, it's just, I, I, I get, I get shunted off in there. Like I can get caught in my own head of like, I have to have everything all together. Like this is what I'm called to as a follower of Christ. I want to do everything right and I want to do everything well, but I'm not going to. And I can't, we can encourage each other. We can spur each other on. We can, we can talk to one another and be like, hey, you know, this is what we're called to. But ultimately when somebody stumbles or falls and sins and, and we're all going to be, we're all going to be in that camp. It isn't a place of how dare you. You're out of here. And that's how much more grace do we get when we realize that my story is just as broken as yours? Now, some people's stories are harder. Sure. Maybe they've had to, but our stories, none of our stories are perfect. And when pride comes in, it's when you think that your story is the story. Mm. It took me a long time to not be bitter towards the kind of Christians that I would quote unquote, like say that they were like the good kids because I was like, why do they get to be happy? And I don't, why do Mm. they not suffer? But I do. And it took me through going through therapy, who knew that can help you overcome trauma and things like that, to say the worst thing that someone's ever gone through is still the worst thing they've ever gone That's through. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing they know. Yeah. You can connect on that emotional level yeah. with someone of like, wow, that's horrible. That's the most horrible thing that's ever happened to you. I've had horrible things happen, you yeah. know? Well, and, and now all of a sudden, and this is where our stories, when you see the other side, it's not that your story is perfect. It's yeah. being perfected. Amen. And there's a difference between perfect and perfected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about the Lesters who we showed their story, yeah. a part of their story. There's so much more to their story. Like we're coming into chapter 14. A window of it. Yeah, we're yeah. coming into chapter 14 on a 50 chapter book. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're trying to make an assessment. But, you know, the beauty of talking of, hey, their marriage was dead. It was done. And Scott referenced a quote when he, he said, you know, someone told him that, the game's not over. He felt like the game was done when it was only the second quarter. But in that's if we're going to go with the sports metaphor, sometimes you think the game is done because you're at the two minute warning and you're convinced there's no way you can get a touchdown. Other times, sometimes God's like, no, let's, let's go into overtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, we think about stories like the Lester's or in the next couple of weeks, when we've got a few others, that doesn't mean their story's finished. That's right. And, and even when you feel like you've, Let's I'm say, not dead. God's not done. That's right. Well, and if you if you think if you think that your story is too much for God, maybe and this is where like I know couples who addicts, people in addiction, people yeah. who have lost family members, people who have had have done really sometimes painfully horrible things, yeah. and God still chooses to use them, yeah. and that's the gospel. But sometimes the greatest gift we can give somebody is to help them understand they don't need to stay in that story or that yes. God has a new one for them. Yes. And even my story of God needed to be shifted because we've all had, we all have twisted views of That's who right. God is. It's the perspective that shifts how we understand the story. That's right. All right. Well, Hey, this was, this has been a good one. I'm excited for next week's as well. We've got another couple sharing their story. And then at the end of this series, we're actually getting to baptize a guy Woo-hoo. in our church who has been coming for about six months now. And it's um, be cool. I'm excited because mm-hmm. I feel like God is rewriting our story, That's right. even as a church. And he, I think he's always doing it. That's right. And it's not because our story was necessarily bad, but he's in the business of doing new things, new stories, new stories to be written, new things to be found. That's right. 
Well, hey, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I love Bob Goff. I'm, I'm Kate and Sean. <laughs> I'm Josh. Sean, legitimately, the only thing you, you said, you literally said one thing all, all day, and I'm like, how old were you when you came to Christ? 15. And that was all you contributed. That <laughs> He's was, still here. That was hilarious. But you were manning things. I was watching you were manning the podcast. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope, uh, and I, I know we're going to have the video online, share it with people. Share the story. Share your story. If you don't know your story, sit down and talk to somebody. Talk yeah. to Kate. Kate would love to talk to you about I your would. story. Thanks for telling me out there. You <laughs> have an awesome day and thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.